Hello, welcome to A Dancer's Life. My name's Lauren Carol Bolger, and I am an Irish dancer. I've been dancing now for, oh God, I don't know how many years it's been. Uh, let's see, I'd say at least 18 years. God, math, sometimes math can be really challenging, can't it? Yeah, I'd say about 18 years I've been dancing. And I've loved every second of it. And when I say dancing, that means Irish dancing. I started out first as Irish dancing as a dance form. Um, and I didn't really take any other forms until as much until I was a bit older. Um, I did start with a little other things before then. So anyways, that was a little bit of a ramble there. This is a podcast just kind of about my life and about a life of a dancer. Um, I know that there are other podcasts out from other dancers' point of views, and even now it's becoming a lot more popular for Irish dancers to be having some more podcasts and speaking about it. But if you're like me, you just like to sometimes sit and listen to things about dance or read or, you know, you could get lost in a conversation and sit with someone for like 10 hours practically and just talk about Irish dancing. Um, So I want to keep this really casual and um, down to earth. I'm not here to kind of, I don't know, push anything or I don't know. Um, I'm not like a world champion Irish dancer. I'm not a... Well, I guess I do show dancing to an extent, but um, I, I do consider myself with my profession a professional dancer, but I think I'm not the, I haven't taken the route in life with dancing that I think a lot of younger girls aspire to. Maybe, maybe I have, I'm not really sure, but um, I think I just kind of want to I'll share a little bit of my perspective and my journey and what interests me about dancing and what I think about it and just kind of the different trends that are going on. Kind of keep it really casual, um, and I think I just am more like more similar to the masses of Irish dancers that are out there than what some of the top, you know, lead dancers or world champions. Because the reality is, most people that do Irish dancing, and even those who don't do Irish dancing, but maybe if they're from a different form of dance and a different art form of dancing, like ballet or anything, the majority of dancers that dance this are not the top, top, you know, prima ballerina or anything like that. So I guess this is my, what I would consider my ordinary perspective on the dance form. So I guess since this is the very first podcast, um, I might just explain a bit of who I am and what my life with Irish dancing has entailed. So like I said previously, I've been dancing for what I finally figured out about 18 years um, I, prior to that, so I started when I was seven years old, which for, in the States, it's a very, in the U.S., it's a very common age to kind of pick up Irish dancing. Now it's starting to tend to be a little bit, you're a little bit on the older side. Um, but in Ireland or in the U.K., that would be a very, that'd be older to get started, if you know what I mean. So I got started, though, at, I think, a really good age for myself. I think seven-year-olds tend to have a little bit more coordination then a five or six-year-old, their attention span is better. So I think it was a great time for me to pick it up. Um, prior to that, I did gymnastics. And I loved gymnastics, but I hated the beam. I just couldn't, the whole balancing high up thing just never, never worked out. I swear they had like the different heights of beams and I would always run. Like we'd all have to go to your different beam and I would just run to the lowest beam and just stand on that one and try to uh, 
do whatever. I could never figure out how to like do a cartwheel on the beam. Like I could do a cartwheel outside of that, that problem and everything. But, um, I loved the trampoline. I loved vault and I liked floor. I loved floor. Um, bars were, eh, it's okay. kind of hurt my hand. So I wasn't too wild about that, but I could do bar, but, um, yeah. So there are the areas that I liked about gymnastics. Um, and they really kind of, I think, like, I still remember my time, but apparently, I don't remember this, but my mom's told me then about it, that they really pushed me to compete because um, I naturally have very large muscular calves. That's something that I've just a trait in my family that I genetically got, which has obviously been an incredible blessing <laughs> for Irish dancing. And it would have been for gymnastics too, so they really kind of liked the way I was built and they wanted to push me into competition. And this is a really young age, they wanted me to do that. And my mom was like, uh-uh, I don't really want to be taking her to gymnastics like five times, but you know, like crazy schedule and no, no, no. I just want her to, um, just, she's just doing it for fun basically and a bit of exercise and activity. Well, um, I grew up during the time of Mary Kate and Ashley and they were really big when I was growing up and I was younger and they came out with this movie that was about them going to the New York City Ballet and I loved every movie they came out with. And I loved this one, though, so much. And I remember watching it, and I remember telling my mom, I said, Mom, I want to be a ballerina. I want to, maybe not be a ballerina, but I said I wanted to do ballet. And I loved what they, like, I can't even remember that movie that much, to be honest. I think they, like, got in a carriage at one point. That's about all I remember. But I remember I really wanted to do it because Mary-Kate and Ashley did it. And I wanted to be just like Mary-Kate and Ashley. Thank goodness I didn't follow their paths completely. Um, But... Yeah, she told me, why don't you wait a year and we'll see if you're still interested in ballet. And if you are, then, you know, I'll sign you up. So I said, great, that's fine. So uh, my mom actually then that year saw an advertisement in the paper for like Irish dance classes. Now, since the time before, you know, like, I guess there would have been internet, but it was not quite as you know, you wouldn't just go and Google our dance classes or like the little ads pop up on Facebook or anything. So this was newspaper ad time. Um, and she saw an advertisement. It was more for fitness. And so she actually started this class with a teacher and she started taking Irish dancing. And I remember seeing my mom do it and it looked like so much fun. I mean, the jumping, the, just the energy level. I was very energetic child. I just loved, like, I think that's why I liked vault and trampoline everything I just love jumping and anything like that and running around so I saw that and I told my mom said no I want to do that so she started she well she actually she talked to the teacher my teacher's name was Caitlin and she talked to her and see about getting me into a class um and it was a little late to get me in so my mom actually started teaching me my first move. So she taught me my very first steps, which are for any of those non-Irish dancers, are your one, two, threes. Some people call them hop two, threes. Depends what school and teacher you have. Um, growing up, I called them one, two, threes. So she taught me my first one, two, threes and my sevens um, in my front lawn of my house. It was like summer, spring. I don't, I can't remember actually what time of year it was. Anyways, it was warm enough to be outside and we were outside in my front lawn and I learned my one, two, threes, my reel. So she got me into class and um, Caitlin was just starting out teaching. She was very, very young when she started um, I grew up in a town called Spokane, Washington, which is a smaller town in Washington State. And up to that, there weren't any Irish dance classes, though there was some teacher that was apparently, she was like a 
ballet teacher, but then decided that she could teach Irish dancing, which it's always questionable when a dancer just like teaches themselves their own dance, another dance form, then starts charging people money to go teach, you know, to dance that. Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation about, uh, that would be a whole nother podcast about teachers' qualifications. Uh, anyways, she, I think, then ended up getting some students off of her. This girl was retiring or leaving or looking, or I think it was just getting like the kids were going to the point it was way too advanced. Not, I, the dancers weren't that advanced, so maybe not that. But I mean, if she taught herself. Anyways, whatever happened, she ended up giving a chunk of students to Caitlin, who was my teacher. Um, and Caitlin's mother, Deirdre, taught up north of Spokane in a little town called Kettle Falls, but it would be bigger, it would be closer to a town called Colville, which is a little bit larger. Um, and that was kind of a family school, and it was really like it's a very small neighborhood, not neighborhood. I think people there would kill me if I said that. Very small little town. Um, so it was more, yeah, it would have been more like neighbors coming together, but you know, like a very small community, that's the right word, community, um, a very small community coming together basically just to dance and perform. And her son then ended up starting a band with other musicians and they played the music, you know, it was great. It's a family effort and everything. So Caitlin would come down on the weekends and to teach, I learned first in a, it was a ballet studio she rented. It was in a beautiful, like, little studio in Spokane, which meant it was nice. At the time, that area was not really the nicest area, but it was, like, looking back, actually, they've redone it. It's beautiful. But, um, so I started there, and I loved it. Just, I would dance everywhere, up and down the aisles and grocery stores, just anywhere I went, I mean, my parents talk about that. I just was dancing constantly. I was still doing gymnastics at the time, and I do remember sitting there, and we'd be, like, waiting to go on the bar. You know, only one person could go at a time, and I'd be dancing on the side. And I think at that point, you kind of start realizing you want to be doing something else. Like, you know, if you're bored, you're, just, you're dancing or anything, you know. Um, definitely was consuming my life, but in a very good way, not like a... Like, I still think I only went to, like, one or two classes a week. I know I would have at that point when we were in the ballet studio, would have just gone to one class a week. But anyways, then the next year or two, we moved studios to another place, and I got to start doing figure dancing or Kaylee dancing, team dancing, whatever you call it. Um, like I said, teachers call it different things. Different schools call it different things. Um, started making a really group, good group of friends there. Just loved the dancers I was with. I had the year prior, the, before we moved to our studio, backtracking here a little bit, we had our first recital, and our dresses were, they're a bit more old-fashioned dresses, they still have them though, um, and there were these blue, like royal blue wool dresses, and they weren't stiff at all, they were soft skirt, which was very rare at that time in Irish dance costumes, most costumes would have been the stiff kind of three-panel cardboardy style dress that basically if you took it off, you could stand it up on its own and it would just stand there but we didn't have those we just had soft skirts and I remember having so much fun spinning around it was a pretty dress and loved it hair curled great little recital you know it's all fun I was having a great great time so I think then around I don't know actually how long I was dancing before I went to my first fesh or competition um I can't even to be honest remember what my first fesh was but I loved it. I can't even remember if I placed well. I, to be honest, like a lot of that's very foggy. But I just absolutely loved what I was doing. And it was just 
it was so much fun. I would do it. Like you make friends. Um, I mean, the friends that I have made through this, like two of them, two girls in particular, um, we started dancing around the same time. Well, one of them would start dancing a little bit later than me, but our two of our moms also danced together then, and they became my best friends. It was like the three little musketeers together, and I swear I'd live over at one of them's house, one of their houses, Kirsten, Kirsten McKenzie, basically, and Kirsten, I'd go over to her house and practically live there after school most days, and then especially after dancing or anything, and Mackenzie you know, it would be at Kirsten's house too, basically. And then uh, Mackenzie and I actually share the same birthday. She's just two years older than me too. So we're like birthday buddies, I guess you'd say, partners. I don't know. Um, Great friends. And I mean, you really make life lawn friends in Irish dancing. And I'm sure if anyone listening to this is an Irish dancer or even in dance, I don't know exactly what it would be like in other dance forms, but in Irish dancing, one of the main things is definitely just the friendships you make and the lasting friendships you make. Um, they were both bridesmaids at my wedding. Well, actually, Kirsten was my maid of honor because I don't have any sisters or brothers. I'm actually an only child. A little fun fact about me. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's how much they meant to me and just how close of friends we are. And we don't live in the same cities at all anymore right now, but we just always get together and it's like no time has passed at all. And it's hilarious, too, because when our moms get together and all three of us get together, it is seriously, like, no time has passed. They get obnoxious, and then we go do our own thing. And we're just, it's funny, and we're just all very close. So that's one of the things that I know from my early ages of dancing, just really the friendships that you make. Um, and those three girls have really just stuck with me for my whole life up to now. So um, I think that's pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, with fashes, I guess, then we would have to travel quite a bit to go to a competition of fesh. And it would usually be about a five-hour drive. Um, usually there was one fesh in the summer in Seattle. There was another one in spring we'd go to. And then occasionally I would go to one in Portland in around October. Um, and we'd drive to most of these. I think occasionally I got to fly to Portland. But, you know, it gets expensive flying. That's one of the things that's a big di- well that's one of the big differences between the US and Ireland or UK and Europe um just the flights are so much more expensive like you're basically talking about a 45 minute flight between Spokane and Seattle the flight would still cost you at least 100 or something you know like 100 would be actually probably pretty cheap to get the flight for so the flights are just so much more expensive um so we wouldn't be flying much we would just drive and those experiences were so much fun though too like we just would all hop in the car together. Um, I think normally one of the moms had a van. It was definitely the year, like those were the years of the mom vans. You see them now kind of fading out of it, but definitely when we were growing up, it was, you know, mom van era. Um, and we would have portable DVD players. So we'd have our little, or portable VHS or DVD players. And if I was going to Kirsten's mom, Melora, if we were all traveling together, Melora, always had a requirement that we had to watch one educational video before we'd watch the normal, like a fun video. And I remember always being like, oh, because my parents wouldn't have been like that. My, I mean, my dad's a teacher. He was an English teacher. So education definitely, and my mom's side, our teacher, like I have a strong emphasis on education. And so like my TV time would be generally limited, like, but I never had like 
an hour, you know, like a two hours and you're done or two and a half hours and that's it for the night or anything like that. Like it would just be more, I would, if I sat there, you'd be like, why don't you go out and play or why don't you read, do some, you know, anything like that. But I never usually had the requirement, like you're going to watch something educational and then something nice. I think my parents, cause my parents would drive me quite often across the Seattle cause that's where their parents were. So we do that trip a bit. And I think it probably, looking back now as an adult, it's probably like, whatever, just do whatever makes you happy because it's a long trip for a little kid to be stuck in the back. But anyway, so that was always one part. I was like, oh, I have to watch an educational video. Anyway, it's not that big of a deal. But the feshes were just great fun. Um, I think one of the big things about fesh is that they're, you get to hang out with your friends, really, and it's like a, you're in like a small enough environment that the kids can just kind of go off and you can run around and the parents are totally fine about it. Um, and you just, you have a great time. Like, it's not super stressful when you're younger or when you're in the first grades, really. It's quite chill and relaxed. And, you know, you get your little medal and then maybe you get your name called up if you do the trophy reel, if you won the trophy, you know, all funs like all the fun stuff like that. It's just, it's great. Um, there's just so much fun to it. And I think that's before you hit kind of the real stressful grades, but I ended up eventually hitting those. Um, I did progress fairly quickly. They say things fairly quickly. I was always kind of the youngest in the class of older girls. And, um, I was usually about two years younger than most of them. And I took it quite seriously. I just loved dancing. I really wanted to, I always just had my mindset on the world. I was like, I want to compete at the Worlds, which I guess then when you're looking at it, pretty much any dancer, that's probably one of their goals. Very, very, you know, common. Obviously, it'd be like, I want to do, be an Olympian or, you know, anything like that. But anyways, that was an idea I wanted. But I also did envision myself teaching. And I kind of knew that myself, that I wanted to teach. But anyway, so those were kind of the two things. I, from a very young age, did get the chance to perform quite a bit because the school, I had said how the um, the family basically that ran the school uh, had a band that was on Dorcas that basically played for the band and I got to dance with them like at least once a year, which was absolutely so much fun to be able to do that and be able to perform with them. So I got the experience basically performing on a big stage, always to a live band, to a good band, um, and it wasn't just a recital. Like, people would actually... The public would come and pay tickets to see it. So it wasn't just your classic dance school recital. It was your proper show, basically. So I loved performing. And I remember Deirdre had said to us um, before a show one time, and she re- just she would always kind of, like, come in and chat to you a little bit before you're about ready to perform. And she always said, you know, you're you're basically... You're, you're here to entertain the audience, but your gift is dance, and you're here to share your gift with the audience and to share your love of the dance form. And I think that has always really stuck with me um, to really kind of like share. You're dancing, and you're obviously dancing for a reason, whether you love it or there's some aspect of it. And I think when you're performing or when you're competing or anything like you need to remember why you're doing this. And it's not just to remember why you're doing this, but share it with somebody else because it is an entertainment form. It's an art form, but it's meant to be seen. So give them something to look at and share that gift that you have with others. And I think that was always very powerful. Um, anyway, so 
I got to perform quite a bit um, and worked my way up through the school. We did have a hard time at the school for a while because Deirdre actually was diagnosed with cancer and had passed away. Um, so that was a big upheaval in school, especially for those dancing in Kettle Falls. It was very challenging. Um, I was probably one of the younger dancers at the time when she died, but it was definitely shaping for the school. And so those little moments I do have of Deirdre teaching me or how she instructed me and like kind of how she ran her school is very community orientated, which I absolutely loved. And she had such a strong influence in that and just such a loving person that I've always kind of tried to remember kind of the things she did and how she taught and what environment she created in the school because I think it's just it was it was absolutely excellent everything so um back to more of my competitive career then I kept moving up um struggled more than once I got well I, I got a novice didn't struggle getting to novice I don't think you could ask my dance teacher maybe I did <laughs> And I got my first, no, I didn't get my wig first. I got my first solo dress, which my mom actually made for me. So she embroidered, at the time she hand embroidered all of it and was maroon red velvet, stretch velvet dress. I wanted a soft dress, a soft skirt dress. And it was beautiful. I admit the color of it was gorgeous and I still have it. I never would give that dress up just because it's a little bit of me kind of in there. Um, And I had a little tiara thing I wore with it. But we didn't wear wigs. Our school at the time was very much like, wouldn't really do all that. So I never had a wig for a while until then one of my next dresses, which I think was my peacock dress, which my mom made as well. And that was a kind of a three-panel harder skirt. And I think I then got my first wig with that one. But anyways, I made it out of novice, gotten a prize winner, struggled more getting from prize winner prelims. That's where a lot of dancers get stuck, especially in the U.S., and I definitely struggled with that. Um, I think one of the main parts I'm leaving out about my dancing, as much as I loved all of it, and I'd say I had nice feet and everything was very energetic, but, God, I had no sense of timing. I just had no idea what the beat was. And that just was not a natural thing for me. And I remember even Caitlin, my teacher, saying to me, she goes, can you hear the beat? Can you hear that? And I go, mm-hmm, like a nod to her. And then I would turn to my friends in there, like Kirsten or something. And I'd go, I don't know, I can't hear that. <laughs> you know, no one knew what she was talking about. So uh, it took me a while to figure out the beat was. Once I figured out the beat, it's like I could hear it in the music, but then because I'd been dancing for so long without really knowing, how, I didn't really understand then, like, well, okay, so that's the dun dun, but what do I do with that? You know, like that connection took me a really long time. And I think it's challenging for people who do naturally have a sense of rhythm and a sense of timing to teach and explain it to somebody who doesn't, who that's not natural. That's very challenging because it's like something you just get without a problem and you can't really understand, you can't really figure out how to say it to somebody else. And even now, if I, when I'm teaching people that do do have a serious problem with natural timing and don't have it, it is even hard for me sometimes. It's like you have to, I have to revert back and think, you know, and it's different for each person. But anyways, I made it through. God knows how, somehow I did. Um, I was pretty good at adjusting, but it always was a significant problem of mine. So I think that was a big thing, a prize winner. That's hard because you, you know, 
you can't really be placing if you're not on time. But I also think it was a little bit wild and a little bit uncontrolled, my dancing, for <laughs> a while until I got the control back. Um, what else about that? So I made it into prelims eventually, um, to my first Oroctuses and everything. Those went wild, never recalled, though, at those in the U.S., which is, you know, it was okay. I'm okay with it now. It was very devastating. I went through some very hard years of not knowing what I was doing wrong and how do I fix it. And, you know, um, looking back now, I know what I was doing wrong is I was out of time, um, was not on time. And I probably wasn't quite as sharp as I needed. I don't think I completely had the right look and appearance um, to me, like, as a dancer. Um my mom made my dresses and I love them. I would never have changed any of that, but I think sometimes it may be everything I did wasn't perfectly up to style or scratch. And, you know, um, I think, yeah, it's different when you look back on it. And I think the one thing I would say to younger dancers is if you are going through a hard spot, try not to get too discouraged. I definitely did. Um, I remember one fesh coming out and I'd been working so hard and I just didn't understand what I was doing wrong. I didn't place at all. And I was just crying to my mom about it because I just didn't know, like, well, what do you do, you know? So anyways, I kind of reevaluated what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to compete. I wanted to do well. And that wasn't, and I was training. I was working very hard. But I think you just had to kind of rethink about yeah, really kind of reevaluate it. And I knew performing was a big part of my life that I loved the most. So I think almost for dancers going through that spot in their life, it's maybe pull back a little bit, not from the training aspect of it, but kind of if that competition's going to hurt you, don't let it burn out what you love. Because if I gave up at that point, I would have missed out on so much of my life. But I didn't, which I'm very happy I didn't give up on it. But I'd say that maybe if I didn't pull back, I really, I probably could have, because it was a very hard stage, but made me so much stronger. But what also, one part I really love about it, though, is now I am a teacher, and I think it's so much easier for me to relate to students then, because I can see the students who are doing well, and, you know, like, great, you keep training them, and you keep working, they're plowing away, and they're doing great, and that's totally fine. But someone's in that struggle, and maybe who don't do quite as well, you can relate to, to it in a very different way, and you can be there for them more and empathize with that situation more. And then the same thing then is I had one girl who was nearly ready to quit. She just, it was very challenging for her. And I explained to her this part of it, and I think it does, it makes it much more relatable because they look up to you as a teacher and they think, well, you know, as I would have looked up to my teacher, you're brilliant and great, nothing's wrong with you. I'm not saying that they look at me like that. Like, I'm pretty sure they can see what's wrong with me. <laughs> but anyways... It does make it like a, okay, I can do this. Or, you know, they can relate to you in a different way and you can relate to them and you can help them through something in a different way than just like, well, you never had this problem because you were perfect. You were a perfect dancer, you know? I think it's your struggles that definitely make a difference and help you be relatable. Um, so I wouldn't take it back. I think it made me much stronger. It was incredibly frustrating at the time. Um, I remember just, yeah, the frustration, I think, is unbelievable. And I do see now when students maybe don't do well, I think a little part of that comes back to me because I'm going, Jesus, I don't want them to go through that, you know. 
because it is hard, but maybe that's what they need to go through at the same time as well. So if you're in that place, don't get too stuck about it. It will end eventually. Sometimes you need to change what you're doing. Sometimes you need a different perspective of what you're doing with your dancing. Like looking back on mine, I knew it was all timing related. Timing was off. Was definitely not going to be placed. That's it. You're too high of a level. You need to have your timing. You need to have your rhythm. Um, maybe your body's not in control. Maybe your posture's just completely out and like it's not going to work, you know. Um, and I think you need to be a little bit honest with that. If it does mean eventually switching a school, then if that's best for you, I think maybe consider that as an option as well. I'm not condoning leaving your teacher, but at the same time, I mean, your teacher does know what's best. So if they're telling you exactly what's wrong and you're just not listening to it, then that's kind of your fault. But if you're maybe not quite figuring out what the, like, what the importance is, um, but um, regardless of all that, I kept flying away, kept dancing, and kind of cut back on the feshes I did, which probably wasn't helpful then because I was just doing major competitions and that's you know like those local feshes feshana basically are the training grounds for your majors you need those to get your nerves out and everything and for your teacher to see you on a bigger stage see how you're going to perform under pressure you need those those are just so essential but um I just (laughs) didn't want to deal with them so anyways from all that I did start teaching this was before the frustration, I'd say. And teaching definitely made me a better dancer. So I became a student teacher for my teacher, Caitlin. Um, she was on maternity leave as well, and sometimes sick. So I actually helped take over. I was one of the teachers that took over school while she was on maternity leave for a second child. And whenever she'd sick, I'd kind of take over then after... Well, prior to her second child, when she was sick, sometimes I would help. And then when she had her second child... I basically kind of was continuing keep teaching throughout my high school career, basically. Um, and that was great. I loved teaching. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I had my teachers in the back of my head. Well, actually, not in the back of my head. Definitely in the front of my head, on my mind. Um, and then it was starting to get to the time to think about what to do for college. And I am an academic person, so and I love history. That's another aspect of myself. So I was going to go to a university to study history. But my mom also found this university, the University of Limerick, and they had a degree in Irish music and dance. It sounded unbelievable, like such a great opportunity. I had traveled in the past, so I've been to, prior to me thinking about the colleges, I've been to England, I've been to Ireland. Um, I, you know, I had traveled out of the country and everything, and I really loved Ireland and England. I loved the idea of not being in the U.S. I really just wanted to see something else. Um, And I knew the right time for me to do it was in college because it's hard once you have a life outside of college to get up and leave to a foreign country versus college. I didn't have this on my mind at all at the time, but, you know, if anything goes wrong or if you, you decide this isn't what I want, this isn't for me, it's easy to come back. It's not quite as hard to come back. But anyway, so I had applied to universities in the U.S. and I was planning on going to history. I had applied to universities in England for degrees in history. I applied to Trinity College in Dublin for a degree in history and I applied to UL's B in Irish Music and Dance. Uh, it was between two schools for me. It was between William & Mary and UL. I didn't get accepted to William & Mary and so, and I did to UL, so chose to go to U- the University of Limerick. Um, I think that probably frightened my parents a lot, especially being an only child going, moving from Spokane, Washington, which is basically 
far west coast U.S. all the way over to Ireland for college. Um, I don't know how they dealt with me going that far away. I was delighted. I was so happy. I was so excited. So I went there, and that was incredibly eye-opening. I promise to talk more about what I've learned in college and all my life experiences with that um, a whole other day, but I'd just say the biggest things about it were for a competitive career, I switched schools. I ended up going to school in Limerick. I danced with the Fleming Ball Irish Dance Academy. I also don't think I ever said the name of the school. Actually, I danced growing up, which was the Heron School of Irish Dance. Um, but I danced with Fleming Ball under Linda and just kind of got retrained, I think, to dance on time, to know that time is important. If you're not going to dance on time, there's no point in dancing at all, really. That's what she'd say. Uh, there's no point in going up on stage to dance if you're not going to dance on time. That's very true. You're not going to get watched. You shouldn't get watched. I've seen some judges placing people that are out of time recently, and I'm going, what's going on? But anyways, I uh, really learned a lot from her. I ended up competing at the Munsters. I qualified with the team. We went to the London Worlds to compete at Kaylee. We did the, yeah, Kaylee at the London Worlds. And then the next year, I qualified myself to compete at the Worlds. And I competed at the Montreal Worlds. And that was my last ever competition. I was so done with competing at this point. Just wasn't, I never, I think after that spell of like being really frustrated, I never like fully enjoyed competing, but I liked what it made me do. I'm very much a, like of the mindset that, it's not that competing is always enjoyable, especially in the tougher grades. It's not. It's not really like you're kind of miserable that day. But it's what, how it makes you dance. You train so much harder. You're held accountable for how you're dancing. And you just become a better dancer and a stronger person for doing it. So I looked at the benefits of it, basically. And I knew that if I wanted to do anything with my dancing, I needed to compete because I needed to be a good dancer. And that's what held me to it. Um, but I preferred performing much more, sharing your gift in a very different way. Um, and by this point in college, I was in my third year, I was pretty done with the environment I was living in. Um, just was struggling a lot more with where I was. And there were just some other things going on with my life that some people that were just, you know, I had a teacher and being just, quite cruel to me, saying some things that just were very hurtful. Um, and I don't know, I just kind of, I had lived the previous year with some people that made my life not very fun. They were not nice people to live with. Um, and I, I that year then, my third year, I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and that was great. Living with him was excellent. We lived in a house that was moldy, um, and it was far away from campus. It was in a beautiful area. I loved how remote it was, but it was, you know, it's just a different environment. But um, it was just, it was a weird year for me. Um, and I, my head was not in going to the Worlds. I wanted to go to the Worlds to compete because that's what my dream since I was a child was. And I wanted to do it. And I, that kind of like I needed to do for myself. But I really wasn't in a place where I wanted to be training for it. And I remember Linda saying to myself, you can't go out and make a fool of yourself. And no, and I couldn't. And I knew also, looking back, especially now, it's like, her name's on me. She doesn't want to dance or going out to dance the worlds. And then looking at me and going, geez, Linda, send out, what was she thinking? You know, 
Um, but I did. I worked for it a bit. I, I know I did not work enough. Um, I could have been way more prepared than what I was. But I honestly did not care how I did. I just wanted to get out and dance on stage and say, you did it, Lauren. You competed at Worlds. You made it to the World Championships, which that was the biggest part for me. You're just going to enjoy it you know, dance on the stage, have a good time. And I think sometimes that mindset seriously helps you, though, when you're actually dancing. And even when I was competing at the Monsters, it was my set dance, I think, or my hornpipe. I can't remember. Oh, it would have been my hornpipe. I remember the mom saying, Lauren, that's the best I've ever seen you dance. And I think it's because I knew at that point, um, with the way things were working out, I knew I had qualified. And I just was enjoying it. I knew it would be my last big thing. And... I was, and I told her, I was like, to be honest, I was happy. It's the last time I ever had to dance my hornpipe in full. <laughs> but she could just see it was in actually your natural happiness. And I think sometimes dancers forget to let that show. And it's very hard to sometimes always show that. But it's something to never forget because you're a very different dancer when you actually are dancing because you love it and you want to be there and do it and you're enjoying it. Then when you're just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, I gotta get everything. I have to get every single beat in here and I gotta do this and I gotta do that. I hope I win, I hope I win. You know, like that's a very different mindset versus your dancing comes across in a very different way when you just sit back, I think, a little bit and enjoy it. Like you've done all the hard training if you did the training. It should be there. Um, but so I went to Worlds, went to the Montreal Worlds, didn't place, knew it, or didn't recall, knew I wouldn't recall. But I enjoyed it. I look back on that as a very fun memory. And for me, it was a very good competition to retire at. Um, that summer, I was also taking my teacher's examination. So I think that's part of it. It was a lot of stress. You need to basically study for a year for that. Um, I'll do another podcast just about the teacher's exam and everything. But no, it was a bit stressful, but I did it. And I was just the... Um, that was the youngest age you could do it at, basically. I've done a lot of things. I'm a very young person for a lot of things that I've done. So um, I did it, though. I got up, and I took the exam. And I knew some people didn't think I'd pass, especially some people in college didn't think I'd pass, but I did, and I was delighted with myself. Um, I got a handshake off of the person that didn't think I'd pass. And... I still am, I think, the only person in that course that's actually taken their teachers while in college and passed it. So it was a very big accomplishment for me. Um, I didn't really use it that next year, which was my fourth year, my last year of college. Um, I just, I mean, I wasn't really teaching at the school or anything. So then I was finishing up college, which college was great. You learned to be much more of an artistic dancer. By the end of the fourth year, you kind of have developed a lot more of your own artistic voice when I was dancing. Um, that summer then, I'd been dating my boyfriend, Kevin, for four years, and we got engaged. Then he proposed to me in Versailles. It was beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, grand, beautiful way to propose. Um, and I was planning on moving back to Seattle. And Seattle's on the western part of Washington State. I was going to hopefully attend the University of Washington for a master's in museology. I knew I needed a master's degree. I always knew I wanted to do another job outside of teaching. I didn't want teaching to be my full-time position. I was put on the wait list, though, for UW, and I was planning on just moving to Seattle. My grandparents lived there, and I was going to be living with them. Um, 
And I would start at my school and I kind of decided, well, if I get a place, at least I'll be in the right city. So Kevin kept working there. We had decided we'd get married in two years from our engagement date. Um, it was definitely, that was a difficult time moving back, but I didn't, I had made my mind up that I didn't want to be in Ireland anymore. Kevin was okay with it and we just decided Seattle would be great. So we're both looking forward to it. It's just, you know, you're looking into two years apart. Um, and so I ended up, let's see, starting up my own school. My own school is the Carol Henderson School of Irish Dancing. And I got a job teaching with two other schools, like recreational schools, basically. Hired contracted out to teach a class, which that was great, especially in your first year. And I ended up getting a call literally like three days before orientation that a spot had opened up for the master's degree that I wanted to get into and would I take it? And I said yes. So things really just, I have to admit, I knew I was devastated when I got put on the wait list, but um, I think sometimes you just need to have faith that things will fall into place the way, you know, they will fall into place. Maybe in a different time than what you think you are. I'm very much a planner. Um, and a mentor of mine has once said, sometimes you just need to remember you can't have control over everything and it's okay. And I think that's very true. Like, especially if you're a person that's very organized and very planning things out and you say, I'm going to do this this year and this is the way it's going to go and I'm going to get this done. And when you're ambitious, sometimes you have to remember certain things are going to be out of your control and you have to let them happen the way they're going to happen. And it will all work out. So you need to chillax a little bit about it. Um, I did my master's. We spent two years apart. He'd come visit me usually around, he'd come visit me around October, November-ish, and then I'd go out after Christmas, and then I, he would come back around springtime, around his birthday, and then I would go out for summer. Um, School kept growing, doing very well, so I was doing that. I started dancing then. There was a company that was in Seattle, the Seattle Irish Dance Company, started getting involved with them. It was just a way as for myself to keep dancing because I always knew that um, as a teacher, I needed to keep myself dancing, not just as a teacher, but like, you know, professionally or artistically because a teacher can get burned out very easily. And you need those things. You need to be able to be dancing for yourself and to still find that joy in it. So I joined that company and soon after, one of the main girl, the girl who's running it basically was going to be moving to Edinburgh for a job. And she spoke to me and basically wanted me to help her out, possibly to take her more of the artistic side of it. And then we all sat down one day, the people that were willing to help, and we kind of divvied up jobs. And I ended up basically getting the artistic director role, so more of a choreographer, which is great. I love all the girls you work with. We... Um, work well together. I mean, there were some challenges at the beginning, but I think it's just kind of taking over a role. And we, it was coming into St. Patrick's Day and there was quite a bit going on for St. Patrick's Day for people who had never together run this thing or known, like, I mean, yeah, there was a lot to do, but I think we have a very good handle on it now. Um, and we all get on and the, I've been able to kind of do some different things with the dances. Um, and it's been a good outlet for myself. I've made more dance friends in Seattle. It's another group of friends, basically. I, I know I have, and that are very, you know, I love having them, as I would consider them friends. I love having also people just to talk about Irish dancing with. Um, so that's been so far my life. I 
then Kevin and I actually just got married a month ago today actually when I'm saying this it's literally just a month since we got married um and we got married in Ireland so if any little girl in any little town is ever dreaming you could marry that Irish guy over in another country <laughs> it was a beautiful wedding though um we had Irish dancing at it I always wanted Irish dancing at my wedding and the band were a trad band but they played covers and actually one of the musicians is my friend so um, music was absolutely outstanding. There was dancing at it, um, just everything about it. It was a beautiful wedding. It was an Irish wedding, so went till very late at night. A lot of, you know, as you do, fun things happening. So that's a bit about my life with Irish dancing so far and kind of where I am. Um, yeah, I have my own school. I'm currently looking for a job in the museum field because I would have just graduated from my master's degree. Um, so I'd like to go to more exhibit design, but who knows what I'll get, and I'll take anything at this point. But, so that's just a little bit of my background. I kind of see this podcast just chatting about things that interest me about Irish dancing. I've already kind of mentioned little hints of things that I could be speaking more about, which would be more, obviously, my college experience, um, the teacher's exam. I'm sure I'll talk more about kind of competitions and competing and what that's like and everything, you know, um, ins and outs of that school situations, moving schools, issues with that. You know, there's a lot of different areas you can talk about. Um, like I said, I'm mom I'm not a world champion. I do not currently dance for a show, which I'll also, that'd be another podcast, reasons for that. But um, hopefully it's somewhat relatable for people and you find something interesting to talk about. I have some interesting views on things. I think I can sometimes be funny. I don't, that's questionable though, but we'll see. Um, so I hope you enjoy this and keep listening in the future.